Welcome, I'm John Lynch and I'm the host of The Discarded Compass, the podcast for the seasoned seeker. If this resonates, please subscribe to us for future episodes. So without further ado, sit back, relax and join me and my guest as we deep dive into the mystery of spiritual enlightenment. Welcome, folks, to another episode. Uh, really grateful that you could join us. And um, I have to say thanks for the emails and the lovely comments and the great support as well. We really appreciate it. So we do. And uh, look, without further ado, I'm going to get to our guest, David Hoffmeister. Hoffmeister, sorry. Uh, and uh, David's uh, a guru as such, I suppose, uh, in the Course of Miracles. <laughs> David, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, John. It's, it's beautiful to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. You're welcome. Um, uh, you're based in America, uh, and uh, you you ended up uh, facilitating, I presume, the Course of Miracles. And could you give us a little bit of your background, your spiritual journey, and um, and how you ended up in this arena? Yeah, I I started off in like around the mid nineteen eighties. Opening up like a lot of people to a lot of great non dual teachers and. And Ramana Maharshi and and uh, Nizagadatta and many uh, people that just touched my heart. And then uh, in 1986, I happened to be at a, a humanistic psychology conference in La Jolla, California. And then I was there talking to the people and w- going to the different webinars or, or the little seminars they were putting on. And basically, uh, of course, the miracles came into my life. And so I was kind of delighted to find a a non-dual pathway that had some Christian terminology, because I think many people who go into non-duality have been raised, especially in Europe, with uh, a lot of uh, Christianity that's uh, very dualistic. It's it's actually, uh, when I think of the Crusades, killing Muslims in the name of Jesus or the, the you know, the Spanish Inquisition, um, I, I really made contact with Jesus, and he was saying, wow, my my teachings have been so distorted over these 2,000 years, particularly in Europe. And so I said, great, I, I want to know the non-dual message that you had to share, and that's what, to me, A Course in Miracles is. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, the entity Jesus, I completely believe there was an entity Jesus, but going, like you said there, there was a it got lost in translation. The ego hijacked it as such, and even worse, hijacked it uh, yeah. and made something else war. It's amazing what happens with with a message, uh, how it gets uh, how it gets lost. Um, you know, um, but the course of miracles. Can you explain what the course of miracles is about exactly? Well, I think from a non-dual perspective that I've come across everybody's focused on the here and now the moment and and starting to see the maya or the illusion of of uh of time and whether it comes out as you know things nothing's really happening right now or it comes out in focus on the the here and now like Eckhart Tolle you know the power of now the course in miracles is a like a a methodology where you get a a text which gives the metaphysical basis, just like Nizargadatta gives a good uh, non-dual basis, and I am that. And then lots of uh, opportunities to practice um, being in the moment, which is what the, the workbook of A Course in Miracles is. One lesson a day for 365 days, and then there's a manual for teachers, just really to kind of for those that feel like they need to teach and share to to anchor it and learn it and live it, there's a manual for teachers. So it's really three books in one, a textbook with 31 chapters, workbook lessons, 365, one for every day of the year, great methodology for clearing your mind and emptying your mind to come to the present moment, and then a, a manual for teachers. And the first workbook lesson of A Course in Miracles is nothing I see means anything. So this is Jesus Christ using 365 lessons to clear away all past associations of Jesus, of the apostles, of all of history, (laughs) to come to a practical living state of the present moment. So that's why I'm so grateful for that pathway, because 
There's a lot of non-dual pathways that really emphasize, of course, the present moment. But but I think there's terms from Christianity like guidance, uh, which I would just say is your intuitive inner voice. Uh, of course, calls it the Holy Spirit. Well, good. That's that's what it's called in Christianity. But let's let's use that Holy Spirit to reach the present moment and spiritual self-realization and enlightenment, not for some other purpose other than being in the moment. You know, trying to be in the moment is is always too late, isn't it? I mean, it's a foregone conclusion as such. I mean, this loop of the ego, the dog chasing its tail, the, the donkey the chasing the carrot, you know, kind of all these analogies are, are presented to us. Um, you know, uh and if you're if you're really treading the path heavily, you know, you know, you, you do you don't take the these things lightly, you know, you're trying your best and what happens? Do you have to kind of have to give it up? Does it give you up? Um, you know, some people say, you know, it's pointless searching and you can, what can you do? You got to search somehow, maybe. Um, yeah. Where do you that's start and where do you point. end? You know? Yeah, that's a great point because I would say most non-dual teachers I've ever heard say, you know, you, at some point you have to give up the search and what Jesus says in the course, uh, he he refers a bit to, you know, what he said 2,000 years ago, which is, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all else will be added unto you. And he says in the Course that, that when you seem to come to this world, you are a seeker. That's the definition of seeming to come into time and space, away from reality, we'll call it, heaven or love. And he says, while you come, you will seek and search. But he says it is not necessary to seek for what is true, but it is necessary to seek for what is false. And that's what I think we call a non-duality. That's inquiry. Mm -hmm. That's what Ramana Maharshi was teaching. All the great uh, mystics and saints, They that's self-inquiry. Nitty nitty. Yeah. yeah, meeting it. And yeah. the thing about it is the ego wants to turn that inquiry into a process on the timeline. And then everyone goes bonkers uh, with that. Yeah. But I would yeah. say when we pay attention in the moment and we really learn to relax and, and pay close attention to our, our feelings and our thoughts, that's a good step inward. That's a great step into self-inquiry because we all need to be aware of, of the contents of our consciousness. And that's an interesting point, too, because, you know, in the, the heavy hitting um, purist non-dual point of view, maybe, you bring feelings into it, it would be like sort of dismissive, maybe it would be, you know, just take it out by the root, you know, there's no one there, but you know, but if there's, you got to start somewhere, if you're seeking, there's somebody there. So if you're going to a meeting or listening to a message, it's presumed more or less 99% of the time, there's someone listening to this that wants to get something or drop something, but that idea has to go. I mean, you can't, to present the impossible to someone like that, you have to go through the door of the human personality as such, I think. Yeah. And, and, and David, I, I'm just wondering about it. Why not go through the, 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 the door of feelings and the personality? Yeah, you're going to drop it anyway. And if it's false, does it matter if I go through it or not? See, this is yeah. the thing. If it's, it's false, we can presume. That's what we're all told. And, you know, I do believe it is unreal um what does it matter if you go through feelings and such yeah you know? yeah I, I like an approach that's holistic i like an approach that i, I think even jesus two thousand years ago he spoke in parables because people could relate more to the parables than you know he would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand well, that's a powerful statement. The kingdom of heaven is within. That sounds very non-dual. Uh, but people have many layers and levels of um, false belief, we'll call it. It's really just one false belief. It's not really meaning complicated or many layers. And the whole point is to uh, drop it. So this is where I find Jesus's insights to be just piercingly helpful for all non-dual students, regardless of what path they're studying or which teacher they choose, Jesus said, you made the ego by believing in it 
and you can dispel the ego by withdrawing your belief from it. That makes sense. Wow. If I've got a powerful mind and I've believed in a hoax, uh, a fabric fabricated idea of my identity that's a body and a personality, then I need help uh, that has to come to me in a practical way. And that's what I hear you saying is like, if it involves feelings or those kind of things, then let's, let's let that happen. Uh, why not? So what I found from studying the course is I, I was always into like, a, show me a map of consciousness, like, okay, you've trans you're beyond time and space and you're here to help me with words because I still believe in words <laughs> and with my emotions, because I still seem to have them. And Jesus gave me a map of the mind basically saying that the core is is like the the altar or the the prayer or the desire and then and then outside of that is the realm of belief which in in reality there are no beliefs uh because what's true is just what is <laughs> you don't have to you can try to believe it or not believe it but it's just is what is and then outside of belief is your thoughts and outside of your thoughts is your realm of emotions and finally your surface level of perception in the world is your your perceptions your everyday five sense perceptions so what jesus does is he gives us one lesson a day to say listen i can give you the theory in the text and that'll help you a little bit i'll give you the metaphysics but actually it's going to be the practical application day by day moment by moment of the lesson i'm giving you i'm just going to give you one lesson every day. And I want you to just practice it. You may not believe it. You may actively resist the lesson. He said, that won't matter. If you just are willing to practice it and give it a try as you go through your daily experiences, then you'll see you're going to get peaceful and happy because this is what we might call mind training. So in his approach is, is very practical. It's not dismissive. It's not just, oh, it's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. Jesus is like saying, well, that's the truth, but you believe in the illusion. So I need to help you peel the onion and get back to the core. Yeah, but like, you know, when someone says it's all an illusion, it's like it matters that it's an illusion. It's interesting. And yeah. I think it brings me always back to Ramana Maharshi when he was dying. He, he's one of his, I think his last words were actually, did anyone feed the peacock yet? <laughs> I so, remember like, he said, where can I go? Where can <laughs> I go? Well, <laughs> where can <laughs> That's pretty practical. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, so we're sort of back to, um, what what can't be? There's nothing can be said about about this. Um, but you mentioned Catholicism there, and it just brought back to me. But um, I used to, you know, I, I was stamped a Catholic, raised a Catholic, and it's fine, whatever. You know, it was very, it was tough actually. It was very um, domineering sort of a, a system to be in. But I always had problems believing in it, um, and I was a bit of a rebel, you know. I mean, in a way, with it. Um, but I used to read the Bible a bit and think, okay, you know, you got to do this because this is this is the biggest selling book in in the history of the planet and probably will be. So I read the Bible, and to be honest, I couldn't really make that much of it. But now I can understand a lot of the sayings. Like one of them, you know, he who looks back is not fit for the kingdom of of God. Yeah, I totally get that now. Yeah, if we're looking back, you're egoic. Yeah. Ah. Your non-dual journey has brought many insights to you. You can look back at the Bible now and go, oh, yeah, got that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's lovely when you when you kind of get it. And you, you have to kind of internalize it, don't you? It's like an intuitive knowing yeah. um, what, what it means. Um, I think that's wonderful, you know. It's like a spiritual poetry or something, you know. Um, yeah. But... Um, the, the thing about time and, and trying to drop... The dropper, as a guru said once, what can be done? I mean, what does the Course of Miracles say about that? I mean, as soon as you drop the dropper, time yeah. is gone, we can presume. Yeah. Well, I found being raised Christian that there was a deeper calling. I, I 
considered Jesus to be like a mystic. And he was calling us into a very deep mystical state of mind called the Christ. And basically telling us that you're the Christ, I'm the Christ. We're all the Christ, but we had an amnesia. We forgot <laughs> of the Christ. And I'm talking about the Christ idea, not a male or a female or masculine, feminine, but mm-hmm. just pure oneness, we'll call it pure love. So when I got into this, I started saying, wow, I need a transformation of my consciousness. Uh, I want to find the present moment. I don't know how I'm going to do it either, because it seems like it's, it's a it's a conundrum. It's it's complex. Uh, this is if you try, you can't analyze it because as soon as you analyze it, you're you're back in it. You know, in the distraction. So, I started studying a course in miracles about thirty thirty six years ago uh, when I got the book, and I've been at it since then for the last three and a half decades. But what it's really shown me is as I've given myself over to it, is that that miracles are natural, that if we're just in the relaxed state of the moment, in the flow, everything comes easily. I was guided to give up my all career pursuits. I was in academia for 10 years, full-time at the University of Cincinnati in uh, undergraduate and graduate. I mean, full-time for 10 years. And finally... I was taking a walk in a park one day and I could feel this presence of love washing over me and said, enough, enough, enough with academia, enough with pursuing ambitions of the world. Do you want to know the presence of God in the moment that that is covered over by all this other pursuits, you know, trying to become somebody or trying to achieve something? So I dove in in a radical, like a St. Francis of Assisi kind of way. You know, when he left mm-hmm. Assisi and he went off to San Damiano and then a few lepers and a few people, <laughs> poor people followed him, you know, but not many. I did that too. I I went off and I lived in the woods like Henry David Thoreau and all the transcendentalists. I had my Course in Miracles book and I just, I devotedly practiced what he was giving me saying, okay. I, my my worldly life is through. I will go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I had kind of a St. Francis, kind of a, uh, a totally, I was so lit up by just the willingness to listen and follow. So that was 36 years ago. So what's happened is everything fell away. And as soon as I, I relaxed, then... Uh, I made contact with Jesus. I could I could hear his voice uh, directing me. Now, that really sped the journey up. When I could make contact with that voice, and it was telling me what to say, what to do, where to go, what not to do. I mean, it was like having a little bird on your shoulder. And it was a really intelligent, wise bird. This bird knew that I was not interested in the world anymore. But the bird said, we gotta, we've got some important things to do. Let's let's be happy, let's be joyful, let's shine the light for the whole world to see what's real and true. Don't just tell people it's an illusion. Live as if you are free of the ego in this moment, and from that energy and that joy, radiate that. So I started uh, traveling, and the funny thing was, David didn't like to travel. Uh, And Jesus said, that doesn't matter. Uh, here, I'll, I'll guide you. I'm going to take care of where you're going to sleep, where you're going to eat. I'm going to all like those things in the Bible, take no thought for what you shall wear, what you shall eat. Uh, put the kingdom of heaven first and let go of everything else. So I, I started to do that. And I ended up having these blazing revelatory experiences. Uh, some people talk about near-death experiences. Mine weren't near-death. They were like, I went into this light that they talk about in the near-death experiences, and I, and everything else disappeared. The whole world disappeared. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this this light is reality. This, that's, this veil of time and space can't really cover it over very well, but it, it's that's what the world is. That's what the belief in the ego is. It's just a veil covering the truth. So the happier I got, the more I traveled around and around the United States just talking about healing and the present moment and and forgiveness in the truest sense and letting it all go 
and letting God direct the way and talking about guidance, it became very practical. I'd go around the United States. Jesus would tell me where to go, who to see, like this program. Go on John's program. Go on John's program. <laughs> John's over in Ireland. He's he's he started off Catholic. Look at him now. He's so he's into Nandol. <laughs> you know, he's going higher and higher. So I did I did that, and then uh, words came to me. People started moving close to me. So I wasn't like trying to form, I wasn't a guru trying to form a community. They just started moving down the street. I'd be like, where did, where did you come from? I moved in three houses from you. <laughs> you, you moved in on the same street. You see, it wasn't me trying to organize a following or anything. People just started to be drawn to happiness and joy. And then, then the world travel started up. First, I just was in the United States, then Canada. I've been in 44 countries over the last, let's say, 20, 20 years or so, 20, 25 years. I've been invited, like people get invited uh, for, to do satsangs in the non-dual community, uh, Gangaji, Muji. Uh, I, I, I was over one time in southern uh, Portugal, and, and some friends said, hey, you want to go to Sahaja? Muji would love to meet you. It's winter time and everything. So it was beautiful. We went, to, we were just hugging and rubbing each other's heads and like two kids. And he was telling me, Oh, here's my Jesus chapel. I built this chapel for Jesus. I painted, here's the paintings I painted inside. He was a Jesus lover too. And we're all Ramana Maharshi lovers. And, you know, we're just love non-dual presence you know that's where we rejoice but it and then communities started to form around the world based on some of the things i was sharing but but it's not kind of orchestrated or controlled in any way it's just spontaneous clarity that comes where people get interested you know on their own intuitive interests their own curiosity not not some kind of a structure like the catholic church or you know popes and bishops and cardinals and you know, none of that. Just, just simple heart-to-heart uh, spirituality. Yeah, you, you you mentioned you know don't don't worry about what you you you're going to clothe yourself with or what you're going to eat. I mean, <clears throat> and you're saying you live it that way as well, which you just described. You know, through your teachings, your teachings are lived that way and by that way. What about someone who's trying to live like that and they're struggling with you know they don't know if they're controlling their life or not, or not controlling or they're just lost with what to do. Are they controlling or not controlling it? Are they pushing the boundaries? Are they should they push the boundaries or not? You know, um, yeah. should they force the river or not push the river? What, what what do you suggest to these people? Well, I think what we're discovering is this ego belief system is very controlling, very judgmental, and it 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 is very challenging. It's because it's so complex. And then I would say the truth is simple. So when someone feels discouraged or or challenged and it feels like hopeless or depressed, I just say come back to the, the simplest thing you can think of. In other words, the simple joys, the things that you find most inspiring and most joyful. Start with that. And then slowly we start to trust that we can follow that inspiration inside, that joy. And and that kind of takes us out of this, this dark feeling of hopelessness and giving up. I mean, I went 40 years in my life, I was well into travels and shining and sharing, and somebody told me that I had a German last name, and Meister meant master, and I said, okay, what's the H-O-F-F? And they said, well, in southern Germany, that is hope. I'm like, Master of Hope? That's what I, it took me 40 years before somebody told me the meaning of my name. <laughs> and I was like, really? That's, That's a nice reflection. That's a sweet reflection. And then the name David, I was in a Christian church and I had Christian parents and and I was named after David, King David in the Bible, you know, the, the lineage of Jesus, you know. And I was like, really? The Psalms, you know, the guy who, who made the Psalms, the Lord is not my, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah, that's the guy you were named after. Really? 
And I have one sister, and guess what her first two names are? First and middle, Mary and Joe. <laughs> I'm like, is this some kind of a scripted uh, symbol going on here? Because my whole life has been devoted to love and happiness and joy and sharing it freely uh, around the world. And then the parables that have come, I used to wonder at the beginning, I said, well, Jesus told parables, but I said, I'm probably a terrible parable writer. I'll never come up with parables like that. And then I heard Jesus say inside, you won't have to. If you just live this presence, you're going to have so many miracles, parables, and stories that will come that are very healing and inspiring, and you won't even have to make them up. They'll just be, they'll just be stories for a higher purpose. Because, uh, of course, non-dually, we don't want to get caught in any stories. Uh, any stories are really the... You know, the ego can grab a hold of any story and try to be proud about it or, you know, do something with it. And we don't really want that. We just want to let all the glory go to our creator and 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 live in the presence of love and light. Yeah. Living in that presence as such or dropping everything and, and, and falling into that. What's the contrast like between your life, like what it was? and post-awakening? Well, the contrast is at the beginning, I was so shy that in the in uh, high school, in senior class, I was voted the most quiet uh, boy in the, in the entire class of like 200 and some. I was very uh, shy. I, I, I was a loner. Um, I was not happy. I was more... <laughs> kind of in a systematic kind of depression, I think, and, and fear of what, what the future would hold, which is, for many people, that's the way they experience the world. Mm. And now I just feel like I feel very much in the joyful presence of the moment. And you know how when we would read about Ramana Maharshi and, and the Yogananda and all the mystics and saints throughout the ages, Buddha and Jesus and so forth, we noticed that that some things happened to them as they got more devoted to God. Like, for example, with Jesus, you know, here he was in his 30s, and he'd be out in the desert teaching for days without eating anything. He wouldn't eat any food. And then the apostles would get worried about him, and they'd say, Master, Master, stop, stop. You haven't had you haven't had anything to eat for like three or four days. And he would say, I have manna from heaven. And of course, in the Eastern, in India, they call that the prana, prana energy, like you're living off of prana. That's actually happened to me over the last 36 years. I'm kind of on a, you might say, a, like a liquid diet, and it seems to be heading towards breatharianism, uh, where you, you don't have a thought of, of or a feeling of hunger. Now, to me, that's a practical experience that I'm having, and yet there's still occasionally something that rises up and says, Pizza, <laughs> ice cream, chocolate. <laughs> There's something inside that's going, prana, breatharian, hell with that. Let's get some pizza with anchovies or <laughs> you know pepperoni or something. So you see, see where the journey goes. It goes into the practical application where you you just practice day by day with one moment at a time, and now things are falling away. I mean, I haven't had a, a career since um when i i left uh university in in 1986 then i had student loans to pay off and then jesus guided me to part-time jobs to help me pay off my loans he wasn't going to take work with me until i handled my responsibilities you see how it works very practical jesus is like no no you're not ready to climb the mountain of ascension yet. Here, let's pay off your debts, your school debts first. Let's you see how practical that is. And then slowly I was able to just be used in, in more communication ways and prayerful ways and meditative ways when the other stuff uh, fell away. You mentioned hearing Jesus. I mean, is it a voice or a thought? I mean, and in that space, how would you hear these thoughts? I mean, how does that happen or? that communication evolve. It's, well, hard, it's hard for me to understand how that can yes, happen. Like, yeah, obviously. I know. It, it's a very practical question. At the beginning, 
when I first came across A Course in Miracles, I couldn't hear Jesus's voice, but I read the course. And what I would do is, it's a thick book, you know, it's 31 chapters and plus a workbook and a manual. So I take A Course in Miracles. It's been translated to many languages now, but I would take it, my English version of it, and I would just hold it in my hands and I would close my eyes and I would pray and I would either have a question or a curiosity come to mind occasionally. And then I would open the book like an oracle, you know, like the ancient Greek oracles that would speak through a piece of wood or something. I couldn't hear the voice of Jesus, but I would pop open A Course in Miracles, which I would say it's the correction of Christianity. All the good stuff from the Bible that was real and true that we rejoice in is in there. And all the other stuff that's ego and devil and and punishment and, you know, sacrifice, all that stuff's gone from the Course. He's just teaching us there were, the ego. It did hijack, to use your words, it, it hijacked his original message. Mm. But now it's all corrected. So I would use the Course as like an oracle. I would pray, open the book up, and there was the answer to my prayer or my curiosity, my question. And I would do this for sometimes eight hours a day. If you can imagine, once I started to loosen from chasing the world, I had plenty of time on my hand, so to speak. I would use this profound scripture as an oracle and just pray. And then I would get so excited, I would I would get swept away into higher and higher states of mind and consciousness from this simple practice of using it like an oracle. So that's how it started for me. I wasn't even reading it chronologically, like from beginning to end. I was just using it as an oracle, but it was so impactful in a practical way in my life that that it just took off. That became one of my my early practices. And there's such a contrast between that and and, and Jesus and, and what you're talking about, and Jesus and the Catholic Church, where the Catholic yeah. Church are always giving you the carrot, you know, or the stick to hit you with, and the you know, you know, you you. You you behave yourself and don't sin. You go to heaven. You know, pray like this and and do this and and you get this. And you know, it's always a, a becoming, a never ending becoming. Um, yeah. And you know, they talk. I don't want to come down on the Catholic Church too much because, you know, I mean, I've been helped by people in situations that I never thought possible. You know. Yeah. But yeah. um, that works through everything as far as I'm concerned, um, yeah. you know, but the contrast is so different. I mean, is there yeah. wrong and right about it? I wonder, David, is there wrong and right about it or is it just fine? I think it's, I think it's, you know, how Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. I think it's just a purification process where we're, we're slowly given a higher interpretation, which is a very, quiet, still, calm perspective of the world. And I think that that Catholicism, you know, even the Bible, all of that was the attempt to find inner peace, just like in non-dual terms. We're, we're doing this. We're giving our, our heart over to the non-dual path to find inner peace. And so are the Catholics and the Protestants and, and the Hindus and the Muslims. And I do like that the Course says, that the course is just one form of the universal curriculum. There are many other. That's refreshing to read in a book when it says it's just one form of the universal curriculum. Right away, my heart sings like, oh, great. That's fantastic. But to go back to your original question, after about five years of, of studying and opening the course and everything, then I could hear Jesus speaking to me and like an inner voice that's just like our conversation. It's like we're having a friendly conversation, you and I. And this is what the friendly voice inside of me said, okay, uh, I'm going to guide you, but you must follow what I, I I give you the instructions for. And I said, great, that's that's the whole point. I've, I wanted to make contact with you so I could follow you. I don't want to resist you. I want to follow you. So then Jesus said, after five years, he said, oh, we're going traveling. And I thought, well, traveling in the United States, uh, what do you need? You need uh, transportation, you need food, you need uh, places to sleep, you, you need a few things. 
if you're going to travel around the United States. And, and the voice was in me saying, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to take care of me. I'm traveling with you, Jesus. And, and what about the food and the clothing and the, and the car? He said, well, you have a little bit of money, just a little bit. Here, we're going car shopping. Where? I know a used car dealership. Let's go. <laughs> you see you see how much fun this is, because then we go in there, there's a little three-cylinder car that's great on gas mileage, and Jesus is like, it's gold. And he says, that's the one. Okay, all right, spend that money. Okay, now it's getting exciting because I don't have any church support. I have no support from my family. I have zero percent support from anything in an institutional or societal way. And I have very little in my bank account. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, if you have a car, don't you need gasoline? And Jesus said, yeah, I told you I'm going to take care of this. So I just started traveling. I said, where are we going? He said, drive west. This is the kind of guidance you get from Jesus. Is you know, I didn't know it. He was taking me for five and a half weeks on the road with him instructing and me listening. And what a trip! You talk about walkabout down in in uh, Aborigines. You know, doing walkabout in Australia. This was a driveabout in the United States with Jesus Christ telling me what to do and where to go every single day. And this is this is the way that it started. This was back in in 1991, where I didn't like to travel. Jesus says we're going traveling. I said, "Why are we going traveling?" He said, "You have so many fears and doubts. I have to show you. I have to carry you past your doubts and your fears. And and if you follow me, I'll show you. I can take care of things." That sounds like divine providence. He said, "Exactly. That's exactly what it is." The Catholics call it divine providence. Mother Teresa calls it divine providence. St. Francis calls it divine providence. But I was raised Protestant, and I was not so familiar with divine providence. And he was like, I, that just means if you follow my guidance, I will handle everything, all the specifics, where to sleep, what to eat, I'll provide the vehicle, the gasoline for the vehicle, the people that you'll meet, everything will be arranged, and I will orchestrate time and space so that you can learn how to trust me. So that's the whole point, just to trust you. You're going to orchestrate time and space with miracles to show me that I am not of this world, that I am in this moment, I am truly free. I mean, I, I like the sound of that, but it wasn't a practical experience for me because I had too many doubts and fears. You know, always doubting, doubting, what about tomorrow? And why did they say that? And, you know, typical human consciousness. So that be, that's about, let's say, 1991. So that's over 30 years ago. That's where it started. Now, he took me not only on these five-and-a-half-week trips, the six-week six trips. He would take me out for three months over to Australia and New Zealand. He would take me to South America. I was going to South America, and, and Jesus was like, you need a, a passport. I didn't even have a passport. So he had to say, call your mom, get a birth certificate. I, I need a passport. He said, that's right, David. You, you need a passport to go to other countries. That's exactly it. So then the invitations came. How am I going to pay for I mean, you can't just hop on a ticket. Hop on a plane and fly down to to Argentina, and so I was out taking a walk uh, at a park in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, and I met this man I'd never met before, named David, same name as me. We're taking a walk. He was into a course of miracles. He's he turned to me at, during the walk and he said, "Why don't you travel to other countries and tell tell the whole world about this experience you're having? That sounds like a lot of fun." And I said, "Well." That, that would be a lot of fun, I think, but I don't know how I would do it. And he said, well, I'm a businessman, and I, I actually entered a contest with South America Airlines that if you stay at these restaurants, stay at these hotels, you have a chance to win the grand prize of one million frequent flyer miles. And I said, yeah. And he said, I won. I've got a million frequent flyer miles. 
How about you and I and two more guests of your choice going down to Buenos Aires, Argentina? So I said, okay, I got to get a passport, though. And he said, no problem. Just do expedite. <laughs> do, do Go a quick thing with the government. So he flew himself and me and two of my friends, ejecutiva, which is the Spanish word for first class. I never flew first class in my life. I, I didn't have money to go flying around. You know, I'm a simple non-dual practitioner. <laughs> I had to go flying first class, business class. We flew down there, Hecutiva. And then my friend said to me, well, when you get to Argentina, David, you're going to have some big problems. And I said, what? And they said, language. You don't speak Spanish. And they speak Spanish down there. You know, this is a Spanish culture. So when I landed down there, they had arranged 19 satsangs for me, gatherings in 19 days, taxi cabs, and they had 14 translators lined up for me that I never knew about. This was all arranged, I say, by Jesus, because I didn't do anything for all of this. So I went and had like these big tour through a country where I didn't even speak the language. And there was there was healings and miracles. But you see, what I'm trying to say is it's out of my control. You know, I'm I'm simply saying, here's my mind. I'll follow your instructions and then you give me the guidance and I'll follow the guidance. So how, how can someone live their life if they're not hearing the voice of Jesus? I mean, what, what do they do? Well, I think everybody is intuitive. And so what I always talk to people about is, is you have an analytical part of your mind, which is the ego. It's always judging, comparing, analyzing everything. It's just breaking the past about apart, and then it's projecting a future based on all those past learnings. And Jesus's message to me was, David, just, you know, I was in university for 10 years. He said, oh, my God, for for Christ's sake, you are so analytical. We've got so much work to do after 10 years of full-time university. But he said, "We'll we'll start right here. Just listen and follow. So to me, when you start to be more intuitive, you start to feel like like you've done on your non-dual journey. You know, you started out Catholic, but you had a, a, a call for like purpose and meaning, something deeper. And then you followed. That's it. That's exactly how anyone, the way you did it, the way I'm doing it is, is you feel it. And then you start to say, I'm, I'm going to be more intuitive. I'm going to trust my intuitive voice intuitive feelings i suppose here it was the you know the suffering in everybody's life you know i had my share of suffering and things and circumstances probably drove it on a bit you know the the search but you know i stopped believing and i quit hope and it got serious um really serious and i thought you know i won't go into it it's not about me but you know the thing was um you're in a bit of a dilemma because the only way to go is the real way and you don't know what the real way is. But, you know, through some happening, like Eckhart Tolle's book was presented to me and it was a lot of, actually, it was too much live in the now. And I was yeah. trying to live in the now, which was too much. <laughs> then you had someone yeah. trying to live in the moment. It wasn't netty netty enough. Um, what I'm trying to say is, is there some sort of grace involved? I mean, you have to get a lucky break, don't you? I mean, I, I remember I was searching on the internet for satsang and um, through circumstances, I ended up in a satsang in Ireland through searching the internet. And the way it happened was, was, was just so coincidental. It was, it was beyond that, you know? Um, you know, I'm leading into something now, actually, when I'm talking, and it always happens this way. Is everything preordained? Yes, everything in time and space is is preordained. So in that sense, there really is no kind of luck or good fortune, bad fortune. But but the, our mind is so powerful that that we don't really see that our mind has, has, by believing in the ego, we made up 
an artificial environment. Well, I'll call it AI, artificial intelligence. (laughs) Wisdom of joy and love and happiness is true divine intelligence. And we've got a a virtual world of artificial intelligence. And it's all scripted. So that's one of the teachings from Jesus in Lesson 158 of his workbook. He says, the script is written. And basically what he's saying is that your mind way, 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 way back in the deep recesses of the mind has chosen when it's going to wake up. The The decision to wake up is already buried in there, almost like a needle in a haystack. But you mean in the, great, over. in the great mind, not my mind, but you mean... Yeah, the mind, just the well, the one mind, we'll call the it. The one mind, it, yeah, it, yeah. Like, John has a different mind from David, and that's how it seems in the, the Maya, but... But way back in, we'll say, let me call it the sleeping mind. There's the mind that's the mind of of Christ or the mind of God, which is pure light, pure oneness. And then in the sleeping mind, there's a point way back there that's already picked when it's going to wake up. So it's it's for certain. It's not like some make it home and some don't. (laughs) It's just a matter of the mind decides when it wants to wake up. I mean, wake up completely from the dream, the dream of this world. But does it even decide? I mean, it can't decide, I don't think. Well, it's there is no decision in oneness because you need two no, yeah. to have. Yeah. And and so the mind that is, is pure light, the mind of Christ, the mind of God, no, there's no decision there. But when the mind believed that it maybe there's something more than everything, more than God, more than heaven, more than the source, that just that little whiz, whim of a desire for something more than everything, which is absurd. How can you have something more than everything? That That's a contradiction, more than everything. That's what this world is about, the belief in more, more and less, better, worse. Is that where God kind of had made a mistake, where it kind of woke up? Is that is that a mistake? It wasn't God's mistake. It, in or fact, God power, doesn't you know? even know about time and space. No, God it, is so it, pure. Yeah, it doesn't. So how how could it wake up if it doesn't know that it's even there? Yeah, God God doesn't go to sleep and God doesn't wake up because God is just pure love. But what I'm saying is, like, for example, a lot of non-dual teachers talk about consciousness, you know, Eckhart Tolle and, I mean, Nizagadada, all of them do. But when you read A Course in Miracles, this is Jesus Christ talking, so he's got some very interesting things to say, even about consciousness. I'm interested, as a non-dualist, to know what Jesus Christ has to say about consciousness. I'm excited. And what Jesus says is, consciousness is the domain of the ego. So, in other words, consciousness seems to have levels, and you can train it, and you can go to higher levels. You know, that's what spiritual awakening seems to be, higher levels. That's all ego, Mm -hmm. all of it. Every last bit of it is ego because there aren't any levels in oneness. (laughs) God's like, like, oh, level two and level three, you know. God doesn't even know about levels, but it is a way of starting to realize we we can practice and train. And all the great teachers tell you that, that it may seem to involve a practice until it's not. Like people always ask me that question when I go around the world. They say, is spiritual awakening a process or is it an instant? Tell me the truth. Is it a process or an instant? And I say, it's a process until it's an instant. And it's really only an instant, <laughs> you see. But the mind has to take what it's ready for. If it if it's addicted to time, then it seems to be a process. That's because that's what it believes in. It's not it's not reality, but it just it's what it believes in. I'm I'm just stuck with the the idea that that power doesn't know that it's there. I don't. It doesn't know that it exists. So there's no control. So that means this is just happening, apparently happening. That well, is just too much for anyone to comprehend. Well, I mean, like, and there's Jesus no how, how how can it be preordained then, David? I mean, it can't be preordained because that's like the thinker taught the thought before it taught something. Well, the the form is what's preordained. In other words, in love and light, there is no form. It's it's actually transcends the belief in form altogether. 
like sometimes people will say, can I learn how to use my mind to manifest? And I say, ultimately, you want to learn to let go of the belief that you can even manifest because pure love and light is beyond time and space. But here's the key. What we can control is we can control the direction of our thinking. Let's say, let me define the sleeping mind as a split mind. So a split mind, there's a part of it that's pure love and light and 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 joy, and the other part is the ego. And so it's going back and forth between its eternal self and its time self. And what Jesus is saying is, when you have a split mind, you you can't really control the world, but you can control your state of mind by choosing the spirit, the Holy Spirit over the ego. Now, in Christian terms, the Holy Spirit is the comforter, he's the guide, but actually the Holy Spirit is a choice. Every moment we can either choose the Holy Spirit or the ego. That takes a lot of mind training. This is, we're talking woo, way up there, Ramana Maharshi, Jesus Christ, you know, to be able to say, I am that, to be able to say, I am, and have nothing after it. Whoa, that's the top of the mountain in, in terms of mind training. But it actually is very practical because we can learn to, to literally choose with the spirit. And that's what I mean by guidance. Like, I, I, I knew there was nothing special in form, but I was listening to Jesus, and Jesus was telling me what to say and do, and I felt happy when I was following that, that inner guidance, that intuition. And that happiness has taught me that I would rather follow my intuition than follow the ego. You know, it's, that's what I've learned over these 36 years is I'm much happier following my inner guide, my inner compass. Mm -hmm. And and like your show, I'm, you I'm happy to let go of the egos. <laughs> <laughs> you got to discard <laughs> that compass, Steve. <laughs> discard that compass I, I'm not interested in the ego's compass anymore the discarded compass <laughs> oh, um, I don't know where to begin now with it um, yeah very good um, the, the the thing about intuition um, can you can you explain what is intuition like definitively like explain what is it and how do we tune into it? Because it's just, it's just something that's come up. I don't know, it's not really non-dual, is it? But people often ask about it, don't they? And inquire, what is yeah. it? If I can trust yeah, my yeah. intuition, if I could just, you know, you know. Yeah. 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 I think that our intuitive voice is, is that, that spark of light in our mind, even though our mind is asleep and it seems to be darkened by the ego, we have, all have a spark of light, and when we learn to follow that spark of light, then amazing things unfold. Like, uh, I remember when I first came to Ireland, out of all the places that Ireland's known for, and, you know, and in Dublin and in Northern Ireland and all this and this, where did Jesus take me? He took me to Tipperary. It's a long way there. <laughs> it's a long way and to Tipperary, lad. It's a long way to Tipperary, but Jesus said that's the first place you're going, is Tipperary. You're going to do a, a, a talk, a gathering in Tipperary. And I'm like, where is where is Tipperary? <laughs> I don't know Tipperary, you know. So I went, and then over the years, Jesus would take me back to many countries, including Ireland. And there was one time where it was very funny, because I was going to Dublin, and then I was going to go to Northern Ireland uh, as the next stop. So Jesus gives me movies, and he said, "I'm going. I want you to show a movie to the Irish people." And I said, "Okay, what's the name of the movie?" God's not dead. <laughs> okay, you want me to go to Ireland, to Dublin, and show God's not dead to the people in Dublin? Then you want me to go to Northern Ireland and show it to them up there? He said, "Yes, exactly." And he said, but I want you to edit it because the people approach God a little bit slightly different in Ireland and Dublin than they do in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. He said, it's a little different culture. I said, what, so you want me to edit the movie? He said, yeah, I'll tell you which scenes to put in. I, I have a movie for Dublin. 
just for the people of Dublin and another movie just for the people of Northern Ireland. This shows you how specific Jesus is. He's he loves everybody, but he also knows you got to reach them with with what they believe in. You know, you you can't go over their heads. You've got to really touch them, their hearts. You got to touch their hearts. That's just the way Jesus works. So, sure enough, I go and showed the one version in Dublin, the other one in in Northern Ireland. I think it was Belfast or near there, and and basically. It was a big hit. I, I thought, wow, thanks for the guidance. I I wouldn't have had a clue to show that movie and, and edit it for in that way. But but that's what I mean. That's an example of how practical the, the inner guidance is because Jesus wants to reach people right in their hearts, you know. He wants to really tap in so that they'll get activated. Yeah. Um, but that's that's Jesus speaking to you. But the actual intuition, if if you don't hear the voice as such, yeah, it's like a, a feeling, or yeah, it's a it's a warm feeling. It's a it's like a, a heart opening, expansive feeling. It's a feeling of like deep like peace and relaxation, and and whatever thoughts are going through your mind when you're feeling that deep peacefulness, I always tell people pay attention even if they seem a little odd um like with me you know jesus the presence was telling me you're going to travel and i'm not even comfortable traveling you know so i i I had to really be open-minded to to follow that intuition because that was not my uh my way i i don't know if if this what you think of this is kind of what, what i work myself i just thought of it if I think of doing something, whatever, or making a decision, if there's a no that springs up, that's like, it's an, it's like the no is valid, but the yes doesn't tell you it's a yes. There's no, yeah. this is right. There's only, this is wrong. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, I, I don't know it. why that is, but. Yeah. You know, that's the wrong. Even move. that, I think it it's a good starting point. You know, the Bible said, let your yay be yay, your nay be nay. And, and I think, I think for all human beings, even if you just use the practice of yeses and nos, like really starting to get in touch with, like when you get an invitation, we'll say, and something deep inside you says, no, that's not for you. Then mm. that's good to pay attention to. And even when you get something where you feel a big yes, like your heart jumps when, when somebody invites you or they offer you something and you yes, then I think that's the beginning of what I call discernment mm-hmm. um, because we all have many opportunities and we sometimes don't know whether to answer yes or no, but just being intuitive with those yeses and nos is a huge step in, in spiritual awakening. And we're getting into psych- psychology now, but that's actually empowerment when you start to put these boundaries and these, these focus points in place. Yeah. 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 And you know, you got to live too, as, as such. You know, um, David. Um, what's the the core message you would give people before we finish? What would the the core message be? The the major point or the one that's going to blow them into enlightenment? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of that that you don't have to learn a lot of new stuff. You don't have to learn spirituality. You just have to be willing to kind of be shown in a way where things in your experience will start to drop away and fall away naturally. Like you'll outgrow them like a child outgrows certain toys. You don't have to, to fixate on learning things. Like for me, I I wasn't, I didn't know how to meditate. And I kept thinking, I'm going to have to learn TM or I'm going to have to learn a certain technique. And when I came to the course, Jesus just was laughing, saying, no, just do my workbook and you'll, Find yourself in a much deeper meditation. Just follow the instructions. Uh, the Course in Miracles uses, it's, it came first in English. Now it's translated probably to 16, 17 languages around the world. But but it came using three different fields of, of terminology uh, and vernacular. Education, psychology, and religion. Christianity. Education, psychology, and Christianity. So it took those three fields and it pulled all the best of psychology you know it it pulled the best of freud the best of carl jung the best of 
transpersonal psychologist. It was the highest psychology I'd ever seen because I studied psychology in undergrad and grad. Then I came across the course and I was like, whoa, whoa, who is the master? This is not a theory. This, whatever is coming through here, this is like, ooh, this is the prime stuff. I've never seen psychology like this before. I never saw Christianity like that. I was always like, yeah, I read the Bible, oh, bits, good bits, not so good bits. Not with this. This was like, whoa, this was like Christianity like I never heard it. And finally, education, because many of us were raised in an era where education is is seen as very important. So here you have Jesus using words like curriculum, learning goal. You know, he's he sounds like part teacher, part saint and mystic and Christ, and part transpersonal psychologist. That's that's what he sounds like in the course, like because I studied all those fields, and I was raised in Christianity. So for me, he brought the course in the language that could reach me. You see how it was, I, I knew those fields, and he brought it in so I could understand it based on what I, I did. I used to think, what am I going to have to do? Uh, learn TM, learn Tai Chi. You know, a lot of us feel well, I have to learn a lot of different skills. And Jesus was saying, no, no, I'll work with what you already enjoy. And you enjoy non-dual. You know, you're you're at home in non-dual. So you see how the Spirit's reaching you just with those symbols that, that are the most helpful for you. Yeah, it, when I'm sort of, I end up reading something or listening to something, it's it's like it's like you fall into the only thing that's true and you know it. You know, uh, yeah. and I do other stuff. I'm involved in this, that, and the other, and you know, life stuff. You know, material stuff, even. You know, yeah. but I know, you know, I know the story. Um, but I know what's true. What's it's not even true, is it? I know what's fact. You know, um, yeah. And I, I, I Papaji's coming. Up, something came up. It came up through the talk there. You know, he said, you know, it's like you're the you're the you're you're going to get married and it's that feeling when you're going to get married that you feel around the teacher or around the teaching you know when you're in the tiger's mouth and things like that yeah. and you know yeah. um yeah. there's something in it there's a feeling about it like you know um it's a wonderful journey and you know to be to have ended up on it is is truly something else it's I'm grateful for it, eternally yeah. grateful for it, you know. Um, I don't know how you feel. You must feel the same way. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's like a recognition, I, like an ancient recognition inside. Like, oh, yeah, this is this is for me. And then we go, we, we go, <laughs> we go with it. <laughs> yeah. David, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Um you, uh, you know, I really enjoyed this. Uh, yeah, and the 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 course of miracles. Obviously, you have a website uh, www dot com. Am I right? Yes, that's it. That's it. And there are various videos and and, and books. Have you got books and stuff written? Um, yeah, books and books. videos and on YouTube and and lots on Facebook and yeah. And in fact, I was guided years ago to put A Course in Miracles online for free with the blessing of the the copyright holders. They were like, oh, please. So that was a beautiful gift, too. So if people are even interested, just uh, and type in A Course in Miracles and, and go on the sites and just read it and see, see if it resonates, see if it uh, has some insights that jump out. And the whole book itself, everything is free, the, the complete book, is it? Yeah, I have it online so people can read it online, but it's available in, in PDF and, and in many different ways. And people can still buy it in stores. Uh, if you went to Ireland, you could probably go to Dublin and go to a, maybe a, a New Age store or something and uh, find it on the bookshelf in there. Great stuff. And they, they might be able to meet you at a retreat. You do, you do whole retreats, yeah? Yeah, yeah I'm actually... I oh, this is many years after I started, but I'm actually in a I call it a Course in Miracles monastery. It's the first Course in Miracles monastery in the world. And when people hear a Course in Miracles and monastery together, they're like, "How does that work?" And I say, "Well, 
it's not like a typical traditional monastery where you have to take vows of poverty, chastity, obedience, you know, the, the vows. But all we have are two guidelines that you can practice if you feel them. And that's no private thoughts and no people pleasing. All we're doing is we're working on transparency. Let's like our conversation today. Let's just be real. Yeah. Let's just pour it out on the table and, and let, let the spirit take, take a hold of us. So no, no vows. You know, you don't have to take vows to, to be on your vocation. You can just practice no private thoughts and no people pleasing with, with everybody that you meet. And, uh, and it goes pretty well. <laughs> cool. there you go folks <laughs> David thanks a lot uh, and um, before I go I just want to say to everybody you know subscribe and join our tribe and uh, don't miss out on any wonderful interviews like this you know um, that's what we're here for David thanks so much and uh, take care and hopefully meet you somewhere soon beautiful thank you John lots of love thank you Thank you for joining us on our podcast and we very much hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe for more on your chosen platform. And also, if you'd like to keep in contact, please hit us up on social media. So folks, until next time, please take care and we hope you join us soon.